Hey, good evening. Tonight I got a, a a very very special guest, man. You know, sometimes when you when you decide that you want to take on a uh, uh, a task, you have to look at people that have kind of like paved the way before you. And this brother I got tonight has been doing YouTube for a while. Um, I love his content. I love how he always just bring forth the information. Don't get caught up in the riffraff of YouTube beefs and all that other stuff. Uh, he he may not consider himself a historian, but believe it or not, he's he's a historian. He's a I would consider him a teacher and a, a good teacher and a good student all at the same time. Because if you see him do shows by himself, it's just as good as him having a guest. So, BTV, oh, uh, you guys check his YouTube channel out at We All BTV. I mean, awesome content. He's interviewed a lot of people, man. When he said he the other day, when he said he interviewed Sonia Sanchez, I, I was like, man, I never seen that interview, and I was chasing the interview. I, it was like a like back in 2014, I met her, and she was just a beautiful woman. I mean, just I I'm, I was blessed to be able, be able to meet Sonia Sanchez and uh, Nikki Giovanni around the same time. I mean, these are amazing women. They small petite things, but they just powerful voices, and they fill up a room, and it just. You know they care about our people. They love our people. You could tell. So what? So brother Ron, what made you get into saying, you know what? This is what I want to do with YouTube. I, had, my own channel. I don't know what I was doing. I just like uh, I think I was at. I went to the Obamas. I went to both of Obamas inaugurations. I you know went to the red one. Those thing. You know, we, we know how everything turned out with that yeah. experiment. But you know, we were very optimistic. I think. I just started the channel when I interviewed a sister. She she was a visual artist that I met at Howard University around inauguration time. And I said, let me start just uploading to this channel. You know what I'm saying? This back in January 2009. They really know what I was doing. There was no blueprint for it. I just wanted to share what I was passionate about with other people. That's always been me trying to share what I learned with other folks by some type of way or means. So you, you grew up in Memphis? Yeah, I grew up in Memphis. No, I was born in Knoxville. My parents actually met in college. My father's from Saginaw, Michigan. My mom's from Memphis. And come to find out that my father's eighth grade math teacher was is my mom's aunt, who was from Mississippi. Wow. So I mean, yeah. they met in college. I mean, I guess that was supposed to happen. Wow. <laughs> they, wow. they conceived me on their wedding night, whatever. So I was supposed to happen. I guess that's the only reason so, why they had to meet. So you started. You started your journey. You got. You got. You started your channel, and then you just. All right, I'm gonna just share some. So you always like was keen towards learning history and yeah, I was passionate because like you know school is not school. I mean, people talk about critical race theory and stuff. It's not the school responsibility to teach you knowledge yourself. You supposed to learn it from your home, from your village, from your people. Now, if your people don't know who they are, then there's a problem. I was just blessed that my grandma had it. You know, I, I grew up before. I, I call myself part of the Oregon Trail generation. You know, I remember Oregon Trail. Playing in school, we didn't really have internet. We had AOL. You know, you yeah. dial up. I didn't know what the hell I was doing. When internet came out back in the nineties, man. I was, I was just looking at pages, didn't know I could click on things to get in. This is back in ninety seven, but when I was coming up, my grandma had a encyclopedia. I mean, the internet for me growing up was the encyclopedia. Don't tell me those, those Britannicas, Britannicas, World Book. <laughs> but my my grandma had like this special Black History World Book encyclopedia. From the 70s, so I'll just dive into that when I was in elementary, learning about Mega Evers and Burt Williams and Emmett Till, and even learning about Nathan Bethel Forrest, the first Grand Wizard of the Klan, and the Four Pillow Massacre. So I learned all this black history just from going to my grandma's encyclopedia and just reading stuff and, uh, and listening to the elders. So 
So let me ask you what when you when you started your channel, mm-hmm. now you're giving now you're giving up information and you're telling people all the people you done met. Then you get your who was your first, as we would say, celebrity interview? That's a great question. Uh man. Uh who was my first because like celebrities, I mean, famous is our relative. I mean, whatever your circles are. I yeah. mean, you could be famous in this circle or arena and nobody know who the hell you are over here. Uh that's a great question. I don't I can tell you who got me started, who really inspired me to take it to the next level. I had saw uh, Juan Williams uh, speak as the keynote. I don't know if people know who Juan Williams is. He, I don't know. He's a hybrid between conservative and liberal. Depending he, on he, the issue he do some the commentary camera. with Fox News now. Yeah, cause, yeah, but he used to be on NPI. So whatever yeah. the platform, he like a chameleon. He just changes. Yeah. You know, with the wedding. Also, he wrote a couple of books about black history, in particular the civil rights movement history. So he was the keynote. At the Black History Program for Corporate FedEx, FedEx is, was founded and is headquartered in Memphis. So I saw him as his keynote. This is back, I want to say back in um, February of 2006. So I met him, took a picture, whatever. Then he gave me his number. So I was telling him that I was just very perturbed by how black people, in particular black males, were portrayed in mainstream media. And basically what he told me was, look, man, just get with a group of people, like-minded individuals in your community. Y'all could start a radio program. He didn't tell me how to start it, you know, get on public access TV, but find a way to get in a position where you can control the narrative. So he inspired me to try to keep my eyes open because this is when I really started. The We All Be thing was back in um, April 2006, but I went to a Reverend Lucimba Gray, who was an activist here and prominent member of our community in Memphis. He's the one that helped spearhead the effort to get the Ida B. Wells monument built here in Memphis. That was unveiled on her birthday uh this past july but he had uh arranged a caravan to go to protest the early voting down in new orleans this is after okay. katrina happened and we went down there april fool's day 2006 and they had an epiphany on that bridge you know that bridge yeah. where the black <laughs> folks couldn't get into that parish you no know? they turned their ass around i had an epiphany i said i want to start something called we all be worldly reaching activate liberating love beautification experience like, what the hell i'm doing but it started as a blog, and then the blog, you know, I talked to the one Williams, uh, love would have it. My mom was interviewed by a sister back in December of 2006 on this platform called Blog Talk Radio. Mm-hmm. So I saw that as my way. Let me go, okay, let me check out this Blog Talk Radio thing. So on January 7, 2007, I did my first podcast. And first I was doing it because I, my friends would have these, you know how you have friends, y'all have interesting esoteric conversations and, yeah. you know, be talking for hours damn we should record this for posterity or just try to have the exchange first i was doing that like on sundays where i just have my friends from college and whatnot we'll talk and then they start falling off oh it's getting to your point i'm i'm doing like gregory and i'm doing i call it i call it the conversation that nobody think men have because yeah, I, yeah I think, exactly i think yeah. a lot of times a lot of a lot of our women don't think that men really be having these intimate how we do conversations and hold each other accountable and it's like y'all don't ever say. I'm like, when men and we get need to talking, that now, it's, it's a sense urgency for black. Cause black masculinity is like on in the death throes right now. We could talk about that about black masculinity being on, especially with these entertainers. I mean, Jesus. But at first, we was doing that, like those conversations you was talking about. And then my friends they started getting other interests. So I said, you know, this is the era when MySpace was bigger than Facebook. So I go, I start going on MySpace and stuff and try to find people to book and um. You know, also I started talking to civil rights veterans because I would tell you it was a it was a it's a civil rights site with veterans on there that people should look at. It's called CR, CRM Vets 
uh, .org or crmvet.org. You know what I'm talking about? crmvet.org. So I started hitting up their little speakers list and stuff and contacting veterans from that list and started oh, really? helping my show. Yeah, it, it's available right now. There's a lot of interesting veterans on there. Like, you know, you just lost Bob Moses. And I met Bob Moses at the anniversary of Freedom Summer uh, back in 2014 at Tougaloo College, which is outside of Jackson, Mississippi. And, you know, today is actually the anniversary when they discovered or exhumed the bodies of Swerner, Cheney, and Goodman from an earthen dam in Mississippi. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, August 4th. Is, I call it Black August. Like, big, I, mean, I got Louis yeah. Armstrong, Satchmo. He was born <laughs> August 4th. You know, you got Paul Mooney was born August 4th. Barack Obama was born August 4th. You discovered the bodies of Swerner, Cheney, and Goodman, August 4th, 1964. So, like, Black August, like, this to me, this is the real Black History Month. This is the month yeah. of revolution. A lot of great, amazing people were born in the month of August for our culture. So how did my you, first uh, person I interviewed was John Ho Franklin, by the way, Dr. John Ho Franklin. Okay. For probably so, the first celebrity. So, so, so tell us about your uh yeah. I, I, I like to say he was your friend as well as all our elders, uh Baba Dick Gregory. How was that uh first meeting him? Well, I tell you what's interesting because uh you know, we it's on us to uplift our people. People say, well, so-and-so ain't a household name or so-and-so. And then we got to tell these people stories. It's on us to tell our ancestors' story. If we don't tell these stories, the ancestors get no glory. Brother named Marcus Jones, who was the who, who is and was the father of Michael Bell of Gen 6 fame. And people forget about the Gen 6 movement. And so I was like one of the first platforms to actually interview participants and whatnot involved in that movement, including parents and lawyers. And a radio personality named Tony Brown out of Louisiana, yeah. who coined the phrase Genesis. These four Al Sharpton them got involved because most of the foreign press that was covering it, but with his brother with this very popular talk radio morning show that was on the ground reporting all the incidents. That's Tony Brown. But Marcus Jones, we became friends. I, I respect that brother. He was a man because he was living in Dallas when his son got in trouble because Michael Bell was the only one who did any type of prison time out of the Genesis. So he came back from Dallas, moved back to Gina, became a very vocal voice. But they were trying to character assassinate Brother Marcus Jones, and they were trying to use black women to undermine him. And, wow. um, you know, and that's another story. I mean, but he was the kid that told me, Brother Ron, you need to talk to Dick Gregory. So he gave me, I think, Dick Gregory. Did, I'm going to ask you a question. Mm -hmm. What did you know about Dick Gregory before you actually met him? Did you Did you know, like... Who he was that he ran for that he ran for president? Did you know any? I know, and I I know you know he's like he was a comedian, and you know I remember the house party thing was even that Dick Gregory don't do double give it Dick Gregory like treat like his Kool Aid or something. I remember that I didn't know because he was from a different generation. That's some different era. But what the internet has done is, is like it reintroduced him to a new generation or generations of people. No, 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 Ron. But I didn't know anything really too you, much about you. You Dick being Greg. humble, you you probably interviewed Dick Gregory more than anybody that 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 we know. Yeah, I Believe mean, like, not, I mean, started it. I would say it was, I think it was the Django interview because I started interviewing because when I first, you know, when Marcus Jones told me to contact Dick Gregory, I did. It was somebody answered the phone at his home. He never had his his phone number. His phone number was always listed, but people do not. We don't know how to research. But a lot of our greatest public servants. They always have been accessible. If you're a true public servant, a lot of times their phone numbers will be listed. In spite of the death threats, they would have all their information listed in the white pages. But when I called him, it was because Marcus Jones, who's deceased now. And I didn't know he was dead until Dick Gregory died. I didn't know he'd been dead for almost three years mm. before Dick Gregory got ran over down in Geno. 
some type of way on the highway. I don't know what that was about. Ooh. But he somehow he fell out the <laughs> truck and he got ran over on the highway. And people say it was an accident. I don't know. But anyway, um, yeah, the Django interview. I started interviewing Dick back in March of I want to say it was March of 2011 or something like that. And uh, that was on Blog Talk Radio. So I started, but then it wasn't until we did the Django thing. I didn't think nothing of it, man, until Dick called me the next day saying, man, you know what's going on, man? He had his wife on, hey, man, you know who called me? Quentin Tarantino. No, Jamie Foxx. Regular Hutton. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. And you ever need anything, any interview, you holler at Neil. We'll make it happen. <laughs> I got that recorded somewhere. You know that, but... It was that jangle thing that really started getting people interested in Dick Gregory's point of view on things. You know what's funny? I, I heard him. I don't know. I, I think it was on one of your shows. It was about four years ago, three, four years ago. Mm-hmm. And he get and he spoke about the origin of King Kong. Oh, yeah, with Jack and Jones. I was yeah blown away. So when you know the movie came out, you know, people was like, "You going to watch?" I was like, "No." I was like, Dick Gregory <laughs> said that movie came from you know the, the Jim uh, Jack Johnson thing. I said right. no. I said I, I refuse to do that. I, I'm boycotting that movie. And, well, you know, um, Dick had amazing because he was I, I, the first time I heard that black folks invented hockey was from Dick Gregory. You know, Dick it was privy to so much information. People trusted him with so much. He was his own like one man social media before there was an internet. You know, you get things Dick Gregory, it get out to about a thousand people. So people say, why don't buy try to kill him? They try to kill him, but you know what's the point? Once he, you know, Dick Gregory get it, like his son say, Christian. He'll go to Kinko's, make thousand copies, and pass it out to people. Say, what's the point of killing him now? It's already out there now. It ain't no point. Yeah, he's his. You know, it's it's funny because a lot of times when people, if you haven't listened to him and you listen to him like one time, you'd be like, you know, he all over the place. But he's actually giving you so much information, and he's yeah. giving you a starting point where to look. Mm-hmm. And you know, you know when he get see the universe don't lie. Right, yeah, universe, <laughs> universal God, he just don't lie. Yeah. Like, huh, listen to me. You know, I, right. mean, right. I even be imitating him, man, because um, like I told you, from from really listening to him on your platform and then watching the documentary, only uh, Gregory on Showtime. This, right now. yeah, this this man, he did a lot, man. He touched he a lot of people, and he was like, he was he was the bridge for us from his friends, uh, Mega Evers and. Martin and uh Malcolm, he was the bridge. He was the the true information bridge because a lot okay. of times, like like you always talk about recently, nobody talks about Mega Evers. No, nobody never even. Oh yeah, he worked for the NWACP. That's it. Yeah, he got killed mm-hmm. in front of in front of his wife and kids. Mm-hmm. But nobody, you know, they don't talk about him. If they, they talk about him, you know, it's a it's an uh. It's an image award. They trying to get some something out to them. <laughs> right, right. They won't give no body bodyguards while he was alive, but they'll you know speak over his body like they'll wrap his dead carcass around whatever they trying to do to sell what they selling. But you know, Dick without Mega, there's no Dick Gregory. That's not the Dick Gregory that we know and love and celebrate. Without yeah. him meeting Mega, because Mega is an interesting dude. Because like, there's not that much speech material, but he, evidently he was a motivator because. He just had them guys on the spell. Even Lena Horn was under his trance. You know, I don't want to know if they had it. I just don't want to know if they did anything. Please don't tell us. <laughs> Merrily, please don't tell us if they did anything. I don't want to ruin. You know what I'm saying? I don't want to hear it. You know what I'm saying? We already did, already did the Dr. King thing. Please let them yeah, stories go it's, great. It's, it's amazing <laughs> how with, 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 with the elders back then, 
mm-hmm. how they got information. They were serious with that word of mouth information and keeping oh, yeah. secrets and supporting each other. Like you said, Mega was able to pull Dick into what was going on down there. And then mm-hmm. uh, Baba Gregory being so known, it was like, oh, now we got now the cameras is down here, you know. Yeah. Um, I was thinking about that when when in the movie, I mean documentary, I was thinking about, you know, how I remember Baba Gregory was talking about Ma- Malcolm would be up north talking about what Martin doing while Martin down there getting his butt kicked, Malcolm up there talking slick. Like you <laughs> like you ain't really did you we get right. our butt kicked down south and you up there in New York, you don't know what it's like, you know, like on these front lines and right, right. You know, um Amazing, amazing, amazing men there, and he definitely passed on a legacy. So you always say, you know, everybody used to uh, criticize you because you felt uh, Baba Gregory used to. They felt Baba Gregory used to be yelling at you. Yeah. Why? Why you felt like you know that way? Oh man, but you talking about like criticize? I mean, like you grow and you got to develop a thick skin about it. It is tough. I mean, uh, to deal with somebody screaming like a he was like a drill sergeant or whatever. Like you know, you know, you doing like. <laughs> basic training or whatever it's boot camp and um you know i remember it's funny how you know i've been a supervisor before on a job and uh dealing with people older than me and a lot of these black people being their feelings about you tell them something this way you say it i was like you know just take out the garbage because that's your job i'm not telling you because i'm trying to challenge your manhood but you know you sign up for this you know take out the garbage you know that i ain't trying to be your drinking buddy yeah. and dick was trying to get people ready for what is coming what is happening now he knew it, what was you, coming down. You the know, road, it's, it's you know, it's through your channel that I really got a grasp of what is really going on because you kind of like sit back and be like, "Why ain't no changes going on?" And right. then you know, exactly. you haven't you haven't Bob Gregory on there, and then like Judge Joe Brown, it's like they telling you they was there and they still you know putting work. They were still put you know up to a. Bob Gregory get passing on, they were still putting work in, and right. you know nobody. You ain't gonna see mainstream media put media put a camera in their face or or a microphone in their their face. Nah, but you know, all our great leaders they believe in the power of us telling our stories to our own media platforms. And I had a chance to speak with Dr. Bill Cosby about thirty minutes on Sunday, and you just talking about the importance of telling our stories and being good stewards of our history and, and controlling our narrative. And that's one of the reasons why he tried to buy NBC. And if you look at all our greatest black leaders, they all either started some type of media organization or they utilized the media to this great effect. You think about Malcolm X, he started Muhammad Speaks. Uh, I'm right down the street from Bill Street where Ida B. Wells started the Free Speech and Headlight or Frederick Douglass, the North Star. You go back to the Freedom's Journal or I think the New York Age with T. Thomas Fortune, the Guardian with William Monroe Trotter, some of my greatest and brightest minds knew the power of having a media platform to amplify their respective messages. Even Marcus Garvey with the Negro world. Just the list goes on. I mean, if, you, if you're a great black leader, you got to have an interest in telling your story from your perspective in controlling that narrative. How do you, how do you, how do you view like what's going on now with, um, and I don't want you to tell, uh, say mm-hmm. nobody's name about a lot of the uh, YouTube content creators. Do you feel like the YouTube content creators that is, is tapping into uh, a consciousness that's waking a lot of people up. I mean, we still are human, right? We got our frailties, we got our egos. I try to sidestep some of the nonsense. I'm not above it. I'm still a human being. Sometimes I get caught up in the madness too. 
But a lot of this stuff, the most important work and things that need to be done won't be broadcast or podcast. You know, we got to get out of going to snitch house or rat house or club out, what you call it, and tell all the business, the people's business. It's time for us to still one thing why Dick Gregory said he respected Mega because he moved in the shadows. He wasn't a, a renowned figure while he was alive. So he was able to get a lot of things done because people were not paying attention to him. And he wasn't worried about it. He just wanted to be effective. And too many of us worry about people paying attention, getting likes, getting shares, retweets, and all that BS. And it don't make a difference at the end of the day if things ain't changing for the better or for our betterment, if we don't have the leverage to make things happen. I'm going to ask you a question, Brother Ron. I, you know, and I know that you you you, you had an opportunity to um, interview and, and speak with a lot of the elders. Mm-hmm. Do you think you could be a, a, a true activist for the people and be into politics? And be and be a party and be part of a party. I think if you are a real activist of people, you owe it to the people not to be beholden to any type of party politics. You got to be like uh, LeBron James, be a free agent, <laughs> a mercenary. <laughs> <laughs> if you got to, I've been saying because ain't, ain't no such thing. Loyalty has an expiration date, and if you loyal to a to a party or to an entity that always undermining or taking your people for granted, then you know better than the folks you say. You trying to, you know, vote for me, I set you free type of BS. Yeah. You know, voting is the least most important thing in politics. It's the ability to control and create policy. You know, you look at police, police are policy enforcers. So who create the policy for them to enforce? Who are the people behind? See, the, and I, I had to get something done. And I had went, I had contact all the representatives from my state. At the national level, I don't care if they was Republican, Independent, or Democrat. Mm-hmm. And somebody told me, "Why are you doing that? Don't you know they Republican?" I said, "I don't look. They they, they taking taxpayer money for their salary. They put represent my district. I'm going to contact them. And by me being more open minded to utilizing all these folks for my ends, I was able to get something done. I mean, my thing is, why are black people be holding to a party that actually founded the Klan, the Ku Klux Klan?" The I think created I think Jim Crow laws and it, black it's, codes. And it's, stuff. it's funny you said that because I I definitely agree with um not being beholden to a party and mm-hmm. when you do bring them the information, oh no, that was before the Dixiecrats. No, nah, they like, just and, I'm, and I'm looking at them like, <laughs> dude, they didn't change. Like, right. they, mm-hmm. I said, and, and and you know they the the first thing they most people say is um the the lesser the two evil theory. Or, or they say it's definitely with forty five. Oh, it's better than the last guy. Yeah, whether it be Ted Bunny or Ed Buck, they both evil. You know, (laughs) (laughs) gay black male prostitute versus gay white girls, gay white (laughs) sorority girls. I mean, quantity. I mean, they both evil. They killing people for their pleasure. So, do you think, like, I mean, you know, it's something when you when you when you get access to the information, and Mm -hmm. then you you know it, it does something to your spirit, and you like you know pushing. And yeah. advocating for the people, and it's like we keep going right back down the same trail. Yeah, you know, I, I, I was reading an article, and I think it was New York Times, and it was basically saying how, you know, it was it was questioning the Democratic Party and their allegiance to the black vote, and it's like you you even see like they, they don't care, they literally don't care. To, it, it's like the Democrats don't care, and the Republicans just always messing up, so they just. 
I mean, but my thing is, why do people think that our people die for the right to vote? Voting is, you know, whatever. It, look, the most lynching victims were black business people. It wasn't about voting. It was about controlling your economics and getting a position for self-determination that was the biggest threat, not voting. Why voting the biggest threat when they control the vote? If they control the ballot, why yeah. is the biggest threat? But if, they, if you control your economics, then you can't control policy. Because the people that got the most power ain't interested in voting because the, the people that got real power don't need your vote to yeah. exercise said power. They, 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 they going to follow the money. Right. And then like, you look at, I always tell people that like, I talk to young people, I say when a, when a president dies and they have the state funeral, look at the person standing next to the person that you know. The person you don't know in that room are the most powerful people in the room. They work in the shadows. They the king and queen makers. Don't worry about oh Bill Clinton, but what's it? Who's okay standing next to Bill Clinton? You don't know. Mm. They the most powerful people in the room. <laughs> right about that. Mm. So, so, so I know you've been um really telling people about the um because I don't think a lot of people understand the history of Ida B. Wells in Memphis. No, they don't. I think they a lot do. of a lot of people yeah, believe no it's all Chicago, mm -mm. you know. But her her origin is your backyard, Holly Springs, Mississippi. Born in slavery. July 16th, 1862, her father was a very accomplished carpenter and a strong, masculine, patriarchal black man. Her mom was a sassy mouth, but she was one of the known, a famous cook of the South. She could curse out white people. I don't care, cracker. Here, take these grits and strip and eat them. Eat these grits. You're going to like them. We can't kill her because she cook all them damn shrimp and grits so good. So her mom was a famous cook in the South. She was well known for her cooking culinary abilities, and her father was a a master, a carpenter, or a mason, and very involved in community activity. And she came from that type of background. And she lost her parents when she was about 16. She ended up had to raise, I think, about her five brothers and sisters on her own to keep them from getting broken up and putting in foster homes and staying with relatives. So that tells a lot about who she is at that age. When I, I love her, I'd be willing, she would never catch her in a bunny. I don't think a lot of people know like um, how Memphis was like I would I would say now, so integral part of our history and our culture in this country, and basically the uh, the base of a lot of the civil rights movements came from out of Memphis, because it's like considered the middle of the country. Yeah, I mean it's the it's the it's the hub of the country. It's the it's the distribution hub of the country. Like I talk about Louis Armstrong, I got a picture back there, yeah, right here, and that lady with him is supposed to be a little harder Armstrong. This woman from Memphis who made him a superstar. Who saw his potential and, and upgraded him where he's now this renowned figure? Whereas he would have been a side note if he didn't get no woman like that from Memphis really believing in him. But Memphis is like birthplace of modern America. Like I said, you know, Holiday Inn was founded here, FedEx was founded here, uh, Tennessee Williams, arguably America's greatest playwright, did his first play in Memphis back in 1931. The great Richard Wright, one of the great American novelists of all time, grew up in North Memphis. Uh, from Mississippi himself. Uh, you know, I talk about Louis Armstrong, also Charlie Parker's dad is from Memphis. Uh, so you got all this history here. Uh, Jimmy Lonsford, I always talk about Jimmy Lonsford. He started jazz studies and in the, in the, in the first person to do that in any yeah, the, the audience probably don't, unless they watch your, your channel, they wouldn't know how much of a, a musician you are. I'm, a, I'm all right, but you know, my <laughs> thing is, I, I play for myself first and foremost, but now I realize now that I come from a unique line of people, like I said, I didn't know until like maybe in the last several years I was related to like Curtis Mayfield and Marvin Gaye and Sister Rosetta Tharp 
and Big Miller. There's a couple of people, but what I like about all those people is that it was not about being just the greatest singer or the greatest guitarist. It's like they had something to say. And you know, I, I have something to say. And I try to amplify it crazily by any means necessary. Yeah, I watched it. I watched the show where uh, Judge Joe said that Curtis owns some money. Well, Al Green, he said, Al Green, yeah, Al Green. he said, Al Green, Al Green owe me some money, but Judge, I got, he's so much older than Al Green, they're about around the same age, man. Judge has got an old soul, I guess. Well, yeah, they, you know, it's, it's funny to see um, that judges made itself available for a lot of a lot of us content. Yeah, you should have them on your show, man, and and it's gonna happen soon, and um. You, know, you just ask one question and it'll be three you, hours later. No, you, you were, <laughs> even with that, you were like the guy that um outside of Valerie with, with the show that he does on Fridays, mm -hmm. you were like the, the first person I seen had Judge on. Yeah, it's and like right know. after they counseled him and he started coming on because I met Judge actually when he was running for DA uh back in 2014. And he actually was the first black prosecutor in Memphis in Shelby County history. So he's a, a history maker and a trailblazer, but he was trying to run and they canceled his show. And uh, you know, I just started putting him on and people were surprised. They thought he was a TV judge. Now, nah, this guy is a real <laughs> judge, prosecutor, defense attorney, public defender. He knows the law. So, oh. you know, like you ain't going to get that Cosby thing. How they did Cosby, you ain't going to do judge like that. His, he know the I, law, I man. Tell he you, knows man, the he, law. When he when he started talking that law and history, yeah, I'd be like, man, this guy's memory is 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 serious. I mean, the information that he got in between his ears is incredible. And it's a life he led. You know, he got like Dick Gregory and Judge. They lived these amazing lives. That's kind of hard to believe, <laughs> actually. Yeah, yeah, he they got I, the receipts. He was talking about his partner one time. And he was like, yeah, one of the guys in the class was Tukey Williams. I'm like. I'm like judge know everybody, man. Yeah, I mean he from the judge a little bit from everywhere. He was born in DC, folks from Tennessee. He was born in South LA, but he sounded he's from the South, right? Yeah. South Louisiana or something. <laughs> Not South LA, but he got that act. You know, he's just like a he's a character, man. <laughs> he's like Teddy Roosevelt, Yosemite Sam, and Bass Reeves all into one. I don't know. It's it's funny that um you're right, Judge was the first person that said how uh Dr. Cosby was railroaded. Yeah. I don't. I don't think people really understand. Like a a, a deposition is private, and they use something private. I mean, mm -hmm. to charge him in criminal a criminal case, that's like even unheard of that they would even do something like that. And the reason why he did it because he he did not did not pose a face any future criminal charges at all. So he told the truth. He didn't lie. He didn't say he drugged women. He said he had a drug for women to have partake disco biscuits or whatever to partake in he didn't put no quaalude on by drink people just the lie travel faster than the truth right people rather be believe a a bold face they, they rather believe a pretty lie than to accept the ugly truth yeah it, it, it it's 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 crazy because it's like you know i i don't i, I don't know what uh dr cosby got in store but it's like you know you guys did this hoping he was gonna die in jail. Yeah, that was their plan. Because there's no reason why you would ever charge somebody for something that was sealed. Like, and even even the press saying what was going on, it was like a big. And I live in Pennsylvania, so I kind of know how they play. Man, is really Alabama, Mississippi. You know, they 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 the place. They whatever the reputation Mississippi, Alabama, have, Pennsylvania <laughs> has earned it. 
<laughs> Pennsylvania has always been that place, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, yeah. You start you start messing with the court system in Pennsylvania. Oh yeah, they you got gonna, the, they, they railroad movement, Abu Jamal, uh, Af John Africa. You know, John Africa was known for representing himself in court. He used to get himself off in court. And Mumin Abu Jamal wanted him to represent him at one point before he got killed. That's how brave of a mind he was. They, they won't even they mind. won't even get Mumia proper health care right now. They I just gotta kill him too. I mean, he 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 don't supposed to be in there, but what you gonna do about it? I mean, our people, I remember that night when they uh executed Troy Davis down in Georgia. A lot of people could see when we shall overcome the cops going and donuts, doing donuts, siren. And this dude, it was reasonable doubt. The dude that snitched on him probably killed the cop. And that's the crazy thing about Detroit Day. But when you are people that don't respect yourself and allow yourself to constantly get disrespected, this is what you get. If we was a strong people, a lot of stuff that we are dealing with now, if people really love Ida B. Wells, the thing that she was standing on back in 1892, we should have followed through on what she was standing on. But they ran her out of Memphis. That means she could never, they ran out here before she was 20, she was 29 years old when they ran out of here. She was just 29 years old. Wow. And she ever stepped foot here that was shot on site. They would have lynched her on site if they ever saw her. Now, now, nowadays, all they gotta do is give a joker some money and some biscuits, and they didn't sold everybody. And not even that much money. This is really ridiculous. Yeah, how much yeah. you get out of Negroes like that? I, I was actually shocked. Um, you know, after uh Mark Lamont Hill interview judge, and and you know, it went viral because of the way judge reacted. Yeah, I, um, I so. It's funny because I actually have been a little bit lenient towards Mark Lamont Hill lately, mm -hmm. trying to understand him. And um, I don't think he is as he he is as bad as people make him out to be. I think he just has um he don't be having all the information, which is okay. But you also, know, you know, if you're a public intellectual, like I used to have some respect for Mark Doctor Doctor Hill uh, several years ago. But when he did what he said about Doctor Francis Chris Wilson. You gonna wait till she dead to say the stuff you're gonna say. That's how you really feel. And then you put your neck out for Palestine and not for you know Philadelphia. Black folk, black folk been catching hell in Philadelphia. They just now put up a, a statue of a black person in Philadelphia, Octavius Cotto, about several years ago. I had a friend out with the Coswell, she was involved in the project to bring more awareness to the legacy, Octavius Cotto, who should be better known. But I mean, you got you no know, Rocky got a statue before a Smokey Joe Frazier. Who was a real person? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You go, hey, yeah, he, said, hey, he, hey. He, said, he said he said about um Dr. Francis Wilson. He said that he he wished he wouldn't have did it, and his criticism he even told her. I mean, her e even even if you did criticize us, mm -hmm. an elder with something they did to their face, you don't wait till they die to talk about it. You keep that it between. But now also yeah. with Dr. Wilson, he catch man. You know, they talking about well, we love her. I said, Well, y'all they, they were building that Jewish school settlement home. They were giving they they, they drove her, they made her house, they made her home into a house. She had no peace of mind for the last several years of her life. And all yeah. these so-called ride and die people, I didn't know all about that until after she passed away, her issue with the school uh and you know encroaching on her property and, and that's, an, that that's another thing. These people the, the elders work for us, mm -hmm. for the people, and it's like most of them are dying broke. Definitely, they yeah. definitely the ones that's not selling out. They dying yeah. broke, and then you know, you know, you know, made all this money, and then you quoting these people, and then you don't even do nothing. I mean it, but we to love our people, you gotta if you serve our people, you gotta love them 
because we don't love ourselves a lot. We can't show love to people that love us because we don't know how to love ourselves properly as a people. And there and not like with Bob Moses, I mean, he should be a household name to work. He put his life on the line before there were cameras down south. Document. I mean, they lost a lot of people, uh, disappeared and stuff. On you know, it's funny line. with it's funny with Bob Moses. Mm -hmm. I remember his face when I was a little boy, like all the time. Mm -hmm. The face just always was familiar. Like an owl face. It's like he yeah. And then when he passed face. away, I'm like a totem pole face. It's I remember his eyes. face. Yeah, I remember his face <laughs> as a kid. You know. And even and, really, even, and even and even with and even with Bob Gregory was funny. I never forget as a little boy, all they talked about was Bob Gregory. He 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 gonna go on a hunger strike, and then like <laughs> I said, to see to see the documentary and how he almost basically killed himself. I mean, he wasn't just fast; he was starving himself to death. Yeah. Because the first hunger strike, you know, he was about three hundred pounds, and he went down to ninety six pounds. Wow. And it's starvation. It's not that he just fast. If you don't understand the Calabi thing, conspiracy theory about you know they killed Bobby Dick Gregory. Now, Bobby Dick Gregory was committing a slow form of what Huey P. Newman called revolutionary suicide. Okay. No, he yeah. was sacrificing his own well-being for for the love of the people. Yeah, and then he was I, doing it over a marathon type of thing rather than something. And then I didn't even bad. know about until the documentary. I didn't even know about the business. I, I, ain't, know, I ain't know nothing about like. Like that little house party that Dick Gregory drink. Got yeah, but you yeah. know, it was more like as kids, it was more like a joke. And yeah. then you know, you always I mean, see comedian. You, you know, always yeah. see you always see Bob on TV, and it's like, okay, he's he was an ex comedian, so you didn't know if he was playing or he was serious. But you know, his his comedy and it's funny because mm -hmm. the connection with him and Dave Chappelle, right? I, they're not if you really listen to them, they're not comp they're not comedians. They use real life situations to make you laugh, but also make you think. I mean humanists, right? They yeah. just yeah. So Kinda it's like, like they're they in the same lane as a Mark Twain, somebody yeah, like that. Yeah. So it's like you 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 know, when they used to be like, got that dick Gregory, I'm like, what are they talking about? Got like dick. <laughs> but he was keen. It's funny how he was keen on health, like even when you would have him on. He, I remember one time he was talking about, you know, he, as he would say, got to drink your water. Right. And he was talking about purified water. Mm -hmm. And I'm listening to him. He like, don't drink. He's like, why would you drink purified water? It ain't got nothing in it. He's like, they took everything out of it. He said, don't drink purified water. Right. And if you go walking, he said, if you go, he said, don't run. He said, because your weight is hitting that pavement. Mm -hmm. Oh man, a million nights when I would just turn your show on, even some of the oldest ones with him. And just sit back and just listen to him. He put me to sleep, man, because a lot of the, like I said, his information is, is timeless, man. I mean, he was a godsend. He was sent by God, man. He did his job, and um, it's paying off for a lot of people. Yeah. Uh, he helped so many people, man. Like, even with this Olympics thing, like I, I talked about the Olympics, it actually was the 64 Olympics that he protested, but Dr. Harry Edwards, who was an East St. Louis native, saw what Dick Gregory did back then. And Dick thought it was in vain, but it led to them guys protesting in the 68 Olympics. So they raised their fist. That's directly from Dick Gregory. Even Kareem Abdul-Jabbar said he got politicized or radicalized by listening to Dick Gregory speaking at UCLA or in L.A. Somewhere. Wow. Yeah. He's um, a powerful man, man. I mean, he was a powerful man. How, how you feel about Dr. Edwards, man? He he be in and out. Like, one, like you know, I knew that he was advising Colin when Colin took mm -hmm. his stand. And then he's like... He did a couple of things in public, then he disappeared. And I'm like, 
I mean, he's a smart man. I mean, he's a brilliant strategist. He know how to play with these white folks' psyche. <laughs> you know, I read a story from New York Times from 88. They talk about how he was getting all this money from Major League Baseball and NFL to advise them how to deal with black yeah. players, especially from the inner city. I mean, I always had respect. I didn't know. I mean, I'm just looking at him on documentaries. And uh, I think he just plays the game, man. He just yeah. – uh, he knows how to play the game. He doing, I think he, we mad at him for he it. He's doing something right now with the NFL. I was last year. I, I heard okay. this, you know, I heard that voice, and that voice is real distinctive. I'm it's like, very distinctive, yeah. I'm like, I'm like, but he had he had disappeared. And I'm like, okay, but I know that he was advising Colin, and it's like oh, he, got, when, he got him a check out of that. You know, he's gonna get yeah, yeah. I respect that though. I respect that so much. Like even, you said something about Colin, great ones die broken stuff, even with Colin. Even with Colin, I um I was back and forth with his stance, you know, not because I just felt he was allowing certain entities to play him. Um, yeah, I wasn't impressed. I need my my heroes to be vocal. He's not impressed. And and, and that that's yeah, right. another thing. <laughs> I mean, even even in that, if he would have just said something one time, or what he wants to do, like, do you really want to play football or don't you want to play football? And then you got all these people fighting for you, and it it it, it was a lot of. Mr. Mr. Miss. Well, he always direction. had Nike in his corner backing him, so he he had the golden parachute. So I didn't. I mean, Colin, you know, he got mad at them because he got benched that time. That's why he was you know kneeling or whatever to bring attention to himself. I don't know per se, but my thing is that you know these guys fail because they'll never be another Muhammad Ali. And because even he and even sacrificed everything. He sacrificed his belt and and money. And, and even with that, the guy, the guy, the green, the uh, green beret guy, the white guy that was helping Colin, and mm-hmm. told him don't sit Neil. He got an organization, and his organization prospered big time, money wise. All this about money, yeah, all the money. And it's like you know, Colin, what are you doing? Like, is you is you serious? Nature serious? Then, then he tried to play, get do the thing down in Atlanta, showed up in all black with the mm. Kunta Kente. <laughs> No, it's a game. It's out. I mean, that's why you know he ain't serious. He wasn't trying to come back. He had opportunity. We could have came back. I believe they were trying to give him opportunity. He just wanted to make a show. And he already got paid. Like, he got paid from Nike. You know what I'm saying? So just do it, I guess. Or don't do it. And you still get paid. And that that was another thing. um, Why I asked you about the thing about the activists with with politics. It's like, I I have a major problem with Nike and what they do because... Their athletes make it seem like they're standing for social justice, but do we do we realize what's going on over in China? Now you could say, well, that's China's problem. We worried about over here, but at the end of the day, you getting money from Nike, and then you talking about our government and the stuff, our problems we got over here. But look at what they doing over there, and it's like you know, LeBron try to speak out, see what happened. He got spanked, right? Yeah, he had to apologize. You know, when he try to was support the Houston Rockets general manager at the time. Yeah. I'm saying then, America. Then, then, he the, right. then he threw him under. Then he threw the general manager. I mean, but you know, America. I mean, to me, LeBron. I'm not interested. In, he's not an intellectual to me. Just open up some more schools. Just do what you do, but don't try to be not Malcolm X. Okay, you don't have to be Paul Robeson. Just be an entertainer. Just be you. Stick to dribbling and. Do you do you think you think that um that we we expect too much from our athletes? We expect the Muhammad. Yeah, they they, they they entertain, they distraction, they they court justice. We shouldn't expect these things. They're not soldiers, not revolutionaries, and not mercenaries. They're not states people, diplomats. They're not that. They're okay. They could be ambassadors for their sport, 
but they're not people that we should be taking serious in terms of politics. Yeah, yeah. you know, I mean, I'm not knocking them because they not they shouldn't have to fear for their life every time they, they get and step into arena to play basketball. Jesus, they shouldn't have yeah. to be no sniper scope or every time they're playing basketball or running track. It's kind of stupid to me. You want to put a microphone and you want to ask them about social events. They don't, they don't, even, be, they don't be, even be knowing what be going on. Nah, they don't even know what be going on in their own homes with their side chicks and stuff. You know what I mean? Look, look I've noticed, you know? I noticed the, the, the new one with LeBron is has he been vaccinated or not? Like they, they trying know. to figure out. And I'm I, I'm glad he hasn't said anything because don't nobody need to know your personal yeah, it's kind business of really what you what you've been. And it's like they want well, ask Simone Bowles has she ever had an abortion? Ooh. You know, my body, my choice, right? So yeah. same thing with the other stuff. Yeah, yeah. It, it's funny how the, it's funny how that working. The, the whole vaccination thing is it's amazing how they pushing, making the, the the vaccinated think like the unvaccinated is the enemy, and just this it's, it's a funny game they play. And yeah. and then and then when you've been around for a minute and you see it, you like. Mm-hmm. That's one of the oldest tricks in the book. Y'all still trying to do that, and people are literally falling for it. You see what they did in New York? They're telling people, "Oh, no more public event, public places." Not, you gonna tell oh, eight, twelve million people that? Oh, good luck with that. Yeah, you, could, <laughs> good just, luck a, just that. imagine your business though. You're not gonna be asking people that. You don't. You might be like come with a mask or, or whatever, but you don't care. You're trying to make money. So many people lost money during this pandemic. You think you're gonna be asking people about? Oh, you vaccinated? Oh, you not because, like even that did eviction moratorium. I mean, it's kind of weird. Well, it's doing. It's a big social experiment. They really trying to phase out. They trying to depopulate. They trying. They purging. They thinning the herd. They just trying to make everything automated. You know, they trying to make us subordinate dummies and zombies and stuff like that. And some people should. We should be pushing back at this point, as people. But you none know, of us ain't pushing back. I th- I think the, the 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 how they use the pushback is it gotta be race. You gotta be, you know, you gotta hate the constitution. And it's like right now nowadays, this country was built off of dissent. Mm-hmm. And now people don't even want you to disagree with them. I mean, yeah, the media. <laughs> I mean, it, it's kind of, it's, it's interesting, man. Cause like one thing I like about it though is that it reveals who people really are to you. And you reveal yourself to you, like you really understand who you can if you want to, if you can't accept those hard truths, like how people are. Because I don't get upset by people's political views. I had my childhood pastor who baptized me on friend me because I was, I was a Trump supporter, and he said all Trump supporters are stupid. But I went to congratulate him on produce. He used to be a DJ back in the day, so he used to uh, produce like these pioneering gospel groups back in the seventies, and they did an NPR spot on him last year where he, you know. He had an album when they found in this you know old rundown house in Mississippi on his way getting lost forever and they preserved it and remastered it. So I was like, damn, I'm not even his friend no more. What the hell happened? But I, I, I still tagged him anyway. I said, Oh, he said this about people that's stupid that support Trump. Oh, okay. That's why we ain't friends. Wow. But you baptized me. You supposed to be a wise counselor. Okay. Wow. Kind of so he so he felt as though that you 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 were you voting for your best in your best interest. It was a problem, and you wasn't following the. Yeah, but I was doing it in our best interest, though. Cause I don't think Trump is the monster that these folks. I mean, rappers. He's more like he's blacker than Obama to me. Mm. I mean, he's a he's from Queens, like Fifty Cent and Run DMC and LL Cool J, and Nicki Minaj. I mean, he got about four hundred rap songs mentioning Trump and and talking about Trump and Trump is braggadocious and all that and 
big ego and he got swagger and you know he swing his and knocking skyscrapers over with his balls. So I mean, I mean, like that's to me, that's hey, that's that's the black man I want to be. That's the, same, that's, that's the that's the same type of arrogance that the rappers speak, right? Right, and they, they, they mad him, but I mean, they taking selfies or they. I mean, like you look at the '80s, all these black celebrities, black folks, we they worship Trump, we worship celebrity, we worship wealth, we worship at those altars, and now. You know, because the media say he's a bad boy. Now y'all want, I mean, like, it's like Bill Cosby, he's America's dad. Now he's America's rapist. You people are crazy. <laughs> I, I thought that was crazy. They took his show off. They ain't putting the show back on, though. They ain't trying to do that. Well, you know, it's like you look at Rihanna, just became allegedly, I don't trust for a billionaire. A billionaire. She became a billionaire, but she can't go out of space. You try to go out of one spill, one trip out of space, you'd be broke. You know, so that really ain't impressive. Being a billionaire is like being a thousandaire now. It's not that impressive. You can't go out of space one time and keep your billion. Uh, so they'll let Rihanna and Jay Z be billionaires, but they don't want Bill Cosby to be a billionaire. What? Why do you think that is that they love telling us about? They they actually and the celebrities fall for it. They they actually put the celebrities in our face, like like you said, Rihanna just became a billionaire. Yeah, I mean, mm-hmm. Like what does like <laughs> what does that mean? I mean Trump's good, a billionaire too. Good good, good for her <laughs> if she became a billionaire. Like what does that what does that mean? I don't do nothing for black people because black folks you still got rent due. Yeah. <laughs> and the fifth is coming up. <laughs> and they said they're gonna extend this month. I don't know. Yeah, what you know, yeah, that's man, they playing games with people's lives, man. What what do you think about the um I see that Nina Turner had lost? I was kind of surprised. I thought she was gonna win and um at least no, become Nina Turner. Who, what, what, what it meant? She uh she was running for congresswoman. Okay, out of out of, out of Cleveland. I, I in, know, a, in I Ohio, I thought she was gonna win though. We, I'm just tired of black women running for Congress. Uh they have not died. You can't name me one great black woman mayor in history. You can't name one. Mm. You can't name one. So uh, why it was this big a dude? Why we need, we got a woman police officer here, a police chief in Memphis. I'm not impressed, and I'm not trying to be funny about it, but it's something about this is the type of America you get when you try to destroy and emasculate black men. Mm. You won't let black males be men. This is the type of weakness you get, and our communities are suffering from it because we already had this experiment with the matriarchy. It has failed. In education and economics in the community, it's failed in the home and in politics. It's not working for us. It's it's funny because you know, you know, the judge talks about that a lot on your show. How Mm -hmm. you know, uh, and then you do the show with Dana about manning up and taking responsibility and right, you know, understanding you know, it's about great nations is known by the men and this, that, and third. It, It it's funny how when you tell people when you tell particularly females, for example, mm-hmm. the roots of feminism, that this was not our, our movement, this was their movement, and they basically did it because they hated us. And they'll tell you, oh, I'm not a feminist, but really you follow the, the ideology of it. You say you ain't, but every chance you get, you're you know, um, treating your sons like, like garbage and then yeah. treating a man in your life like he's a... He's a servant or something. Basically, ATM or whatever he is, or dildo, <laughs> human dildo. I don't know. I mean, just not with respect. I mean, black men are the least respected 
and protected class of people in America. It's not black women. Because the people I was talking about what Malcolm said, Malcolm, that was about maybe 50-something years ago. But if he was alive today, and see, like, you know, black masculinity is in the death throes right now. Yeah, I don't. I don't think pe- a lot of people understand what happened after Malcolm died. Like how they mm-hmm. how they attacked the black family. Like you know, with oh, welfare, yeah. and they said, "Oh, we got to we got to separate the husband and wife from the black homes." And you so know, black folks was like the most married people before all that happened. Like black folks, we believe in family because even after the Civil War, one of the first things we doing trying to find family. Yeah, my family reunions are so important to us as a people. Yeah, but what they done to us through these institutions to break up the family. But one of the first things Bill Cosby said when I listened to him on the phone on Sunday, we said, he said that uh, revolution starts in the home. Mm. You know, his father was a drunk and alcoholic and left and been in his family. You living in the Richard Allen projects in Philadelphia. Look what he was able to do. But his thing was trying to encourage, because I always say people, the real trinity is the black man, woman, and child. And when we work together, when our greatest victories occur and when paradigms are shifted. And when we work work against each other, it's when we have our biggest downfalls. Yeah, and we shout these generational curses. That's definitely what's going on now. I was shocked that Jamel Hill, she mm-hmm. she uh, and she married to a, I guess a black male. You know, I used to really like her when she first graduated from college, and she was yeah. on ESPN. I'm like, wow, she's real intelligent. She working the way up. She was the first black woman on Sports Reporters, mm-hmm. and then she just started like. Her Twitter fingers got crazy. And then she had, as Paul Mooney used to say, she had her nigga moment when she tweeted about Trump and ESPN showed her like, nah, you causing yeah. us a little bit too much controversy. We got to let you go. And she I still mean, get a little crazy. I mean, it is what it is. Like, you know, our people are crazy. I mean, look what we're going through right now. It's insane what we've been willing to put up with for generations and decades, you know. Enough is enough, but when we are going to really realize that enough is enough? Yeah, and then I, you know, we both we both had our talk with Carmen, man. <laughs> yeah, not the Carmen Johnson. Yeah, yeah I, Carmen's situation is, is 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 really crazy. I um, I I come from that dealing with the court system mm-hmm. in my in my life, and um, the amount of time they gave her was crazy compared to what her charges were. I mean, really, they, they as we say, they should have finished her, but it lets you yeah. know how they railroaded her, man. And it's really... Well, I mean, but she was playing. Like, she was in the system. She was an officer in the NACP at the state level. Had the kind of the Jack and Jill Boulay thing going on. I mean, she fit the mold of why they don't protect people like their own, but they'll be the first ones they eat is their own. Yeah, I These think I, you know, crazy. I have a, I have a man, brother Ron. I have a major. That's like the list: the NWACP. The, I, did you go to HBCU? No, nah, I should have went to one. I didn't go. And I, 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 in St. Louis. I mean, even even the HBCUs, I have a lot of friends that went there and went to you know Howard and Hampton, mm. and I'm very skeptical of HBCUs, man. It's because it's like. Most of the people I know, only thing they did was who started it, for the most part. Why were HBCUs started? Historical Black College University. Oh yeah, they were started by them people. Yeah, so they as, they as endowments. Kids. Yeah, yeah. Well, they, they you know these former slave owners where they have their mulatto kids where they get a good education. Like Ivy League schools were started by these drug dealing, slave holding pimps who wanted their stupid songs <laughs> to be educated. 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, look at George W. Bush, for example. I mean, this man's a legacy. Uh, I mean, he's average dish and average debt, but because of his bloodline and who he's related to and last name, you get access to all the, the top shelf stuff. Yeah, and you got a lot of brilliant people that never had, you know, WDB, Dr. W.E.B. Du Bois would never have been hired at Harvard. They never wanted him, even though he's like the man who invented American sociology. How you, how got, you, um, you know, how do you, how do you feel about him and uh, Booker T? I know, I know, I Judge, I mean, Judge be going in on Booker T. I mean, Judge, I, I don't feel the same like Judge does about Booker I feel like Booker T actually was assassinated. For some of his political views, especially when it came to U.S. occupation of Haiti, uh, because he was really vocal about the U.S. occupation of Haiti. He wrote an op-ed, I believe it came out October 18, 1915, in the T. Thomas Fortune's New York Age. It was very critical of U.S. occupation of Haiti, of a proud people. And then a few weeks later, he's dead. And his last speaking engagement was at Yale, home of Skull and Bones. He looked at the people that control, you know, his purse strings, like, uh, you know, Rosenwald School, he was in the Rosenwald and Rockefeller. I think he went to Rockefeller Hospital and they treated him because nobody really knows how he died. But mm-hmm. the uh, elders, the olders, they say he was poisoned by a Haitian. Wow. And some people in his circle died crazy deaths. And then the guy who took over for him was Robert Moulton, U.S. Army intelligence spy who helped spearhead Tuskegee uh, experiment, Eunice Rivers, before he retired from Tuskegee. Yeah, I always, I always thought that was interesting when I was reading, be like, how they, you know, uh, W.B. Du Bois and him didn't get along. And I'm like, they both saying the same thing. Like, <laughs> I mean, it's ego, man. Cause like, even um, Garvey, you know, Garvey was pen pals with uh, Booker T. Washington. And he actually did want to work with the NACP when he got here, but he saw the arrogance of Du Bois and stuff like that. And people say, oh, we should be above like Umar versus Tariq or whatever. They'll call each other names back then. You know, you even yeah. had William Monroe Trotter, somebody I like, go against Booker T. Washington and all that stuff. Oh, yeah. W.D. Boyd said some, he said some, he, some of the stuff he said about Garvey was like, man, he was, he was going, I mean, for, he was going for the juggler. I mean, it's like, it's like a versus, the boys versus Garvey. I mean, I like to see that versus. We got holograms and people do all that weird stuff. <laughs> you know, they bring them, make it happen. You know yeah. That's the versus we want to see. Yeah, I want to see that. That's the hotel versus. Yeah, that's interesting. So, 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 Doctor Rashidi does has mm. has moved on. Uh, that was a big blow. I mean, like you know, I re- I respected him because his his legacy, his name preceded him, and people. I mean, I just big up to him for doing the work he was doing, traveling around the world, not only for himself but for his people, and leaving it. I mean, Doctor Ivan Van Sertima, all them guys, man. Yeah, it's it's it's, it's funny because when I was living in Jersey, they would they would always be in Jersey. A lot of these guys, and I'm like, yeah, you know, I was young, and I'm like, man, I ain't going to see them people, man. I, I mean, well, why? Man. They not yeah, it's yeah, not man. you. Hey, hey, because uh, Leonard Jeffries, he you know he's always in Jersey. He's like, still man, around. Jeffries I ain't going. I ain't going to see that man. Yeah. I and then when you get older, you be like, yo, he was right there, man. Like I could have just, hey. just, I could have just spent a little time and. Just, it's like you know, it's how I feel when I was going to college and I could have saw Chuck Berry and you all perform at Blueberry Hill in University City. I said, Chuck Berry. I mean, I could have had a chat. I could have saw him wow. one night. You know what I'm saying? He was right there. But it, it's how it be though. I mean, you just don't know. You just don't know. So what? So so what you got on, on the horizon? 
that's a good question. There's a lot of stuff I'm trying to get done. Um, I'm going out to Charleston for my to pay my respects to my great uncle. Uh, they having a funeral this weekend, so I got to drive ten hours tomorrow. <laughs> I guess I don't know. We'll see how God help that work out. But uh, I don't know. There's a lot of stuff, man. There's a lot of projects I want to do, like on Jimmy Lonsford stuff. We doing a festival this um this year in October. Hopefully, I don't know what's going to happen because kind of everything on edge right now. But we're in the process. We want to honor uh, blues great Bobby Rush uh, this year. And I'm looking forward to next year, which will be like the 120th uh, celebration of the 120th anniversary of Jimmy Lonsford's birth. So I got some great things in line. I just, I don't know. I just want to have time to do these things. Yeah. Uh, I I had, I had yeah. drove down to Georgia a couple months ago and I was mm-hmm. coming through. And I and where I live in Pennsylvania, I didn't have to go through Delaware. Yeah. So I went through Maryland. Came, but I went the way I went down Pennsylvania went south. I went past Gettysburg, and I'm looking. And you yeah. know, I'm I'm one of them guys that like history. So oh, I'm looking at these places, and yeah. I'm just shaking, looking at. And you start playing this stuff in your head, and then we got when I got to Georgia, looking at we were in. I went to Stone Mountain. I'm like, you know, you you you. It's like these places are like a myth when you read them, and mm-hmm. then when you see them, you be like, huh. yeah. It's kind of small, you know. <laughs> yeah, you know, like, like I thought I was bigger than this. this yeah, I yeah. Like, well, I thought it was gonna be. Wait, yeah, it's kind of kind of a lot of places like that. But I mean, it's good that you are aware of, of that type of stuff, though. Because a lot of folks, like I tell people, people come out. I gotta go overseas. And, nah, this stuff in your backyard, you have no ideas there that you should look. Yeah, at. because believe it or not, the the town that I grew up in, Jersey, um, the last battle of the Civil War was fought. And wow. like the base, right behind the baseball field, we used to play baseball. Hey, so they got a market there, also. Yeah. Because what happened where Washington was at in Morristown, they was trying to get through the back way. So it's a historian there that you know I was on the phone with him one day. He said, "You know, when you used to play baseball there before they knocked the park down, they, when they was trying to get up there to Washington, you know, you start visualizing what's going on." Yeah. Let, let me ask you, because mm-hmm. I've been thinking about a, a figure. Um, a historical figure lately, and I've been trying to understand his mind a little bit. How you how you feel about Hoover? Which one, Herbert or Jay Edgar? Jay Edgar. I I believe he probably was a self hating black person. I mean, it sounds like he was. I know his sister wrote a book, and I think they did a documentary about twenty some years ago about she uh, she was a Hoover from uh, Macomb, Mississippi. And she said that Hoover one time threatened the black side of his family to ever expose his true racial identity. He would kill them all. So I believe Hoover was a self-hating black man. I do mean, you think, do the things he was do able you to think, do. Because I, because I was, I was, I was thinking about him always in the behind the scenes on all of all of our black um, leaders mm-hmm. at the time and and their connections with other countries. And mm-hmm. I was saying to myself, you know, did Hoover really try to, was he really trying to protect the Republic or he just hated black people? That's a good question. I mean, can it be one and the same? I mean, it is America. Because it, because, <laughs> because if you notice, you know, Brother Ron, it's, it's, it's interesting because Baba Gregory, Judge Joe Brown, you know, people that we, that we love, they don't be on anti-government st- stuff. They just be educating us with what's what's going on, and a lot of the uh, the elders that have moved on, a lot of them be having these allegiances to other governments. You know, they be like deep down socialists. Yeah. And Hoover, like, really, 
he would say he was trying to protect the republic. He but could he, have been you know, doing that because you, you know, you know, uh, Thurgood Marshall, one of Judge Joe Brown's heroes, was an FBI informant. Yeah. And Judge, oh, well, you know, I was now Judge. No, he was FBI for me. Well, you know, by the way, no, no, by the way, shit, no, no FBI informant. You know, we ain't gonna try to act like this. You want to talk about the boys? Except this one right here. He, he was a, he was the original G man. <laughs> right? No, 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 no Judge. <laughs> he was FBI informant. I, I, you know, you know, it is what it is, man. You know, but he played the game. It's like Dr. Harry Edwards. He playing the game. He understand how the game is played. He played to his greatest advantage. And I can't. Yeah. I don't hate the player. You hate the game. Don't hate the player. Yeah. <laughs> you know. So so judge be trying to justify it. Yeah yeah. Bye, 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 bye. No no just no 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 no. <laughs> like be trying to say well Hubert Humphrey was an alpha. I mean hell you honorary alpha judge. We meet judge. We meet Hubert. I met him in sixty six. Well he was made an honorary one in sixty five. That's the alpha historian. They ain't me saying that. You know, I like he's getting his ass paddled and stuff back in the 30s. Yeah, that's I always, doing that. I always thought it was funny how the um how they how the NWACP when you read how they used to send Thurgood Marshall places, that was the beginning of clout chasing. Because they would send him to certain places just to get notoriety for the uh, I mean, but you know, he had to fight. I mean, he had you know he had to fight for his life a couple of times. I'm not saying he's a pushover, but he was the informant. Wow. I mean, he 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 had to preserve his life several occasions. I mean, he was no punk. You know, he was, was out there on the front lines every now and then. I was telling somebody that because you know, I I was looking at you know because of Trump, I was doing a bunch of stuff uh, following a lot of the rulers that Scotus was doing. Mm-hmm. So I asked a friend of mine. I said, "Yo, why people always told us that Clarence Thomas was a sellout?" I was like, "The man don't talk." I said, "The yeah, man don't talk yeah, since yeah. he been in the Supreme Court." He said one one word where they they made a big thing, and him and uh, Scalia both said something. Mm-hmm. Where he talked, and then I wound up listening to um a couple of interviews on YouTube, and I'm like, Clarence ain't as bad as people made him out to be, man. No, he he he, he very well. I agree with you on that because I just think he made a choice. He chose to live a certain type of life, and he's willing to pay the cost for that. But he's yeah. not. It's like Herman Cain. People misclassified Herman Cain. I mean, to me, Herman Cain was blacker than Obama. I mean, he's born in Memphis, raised in Atlanta, went to Moore House. Married his black sweetheart, been married for some years, still black one. Well, you know, I got a, I got a culinary background, so we can't. I would never say nothing about Herman Cain because he was the president of the National Restaurant Association. I mean, yeah, but I mean, he was a brilliant <laughs> guy. But then yeah. he was probably one of the most qualified people to ever run for the White House, but because of the color of his skin, they didn't want to take him seriously. But I think Herman Cain was not a bad guy. He just had his own point of view, the way he saw. It. And most people forget most black people were Republicans at one point. While this Democrat, I mean, like, I don't care what party you vote for. I mean, that's your business. My thing is we should be able to get together on something we all can agree upon and work on that issue. Don't worry about all the things that divide us, but focus on some of the things that can unite us behind something so we all could get something. I think right now people are, like, politically exhausted. Like, it, mm-hmm. it might it might pick up back to the midterms. I just think that most people right now, they don't even care who's the president. They just... You know, well, it doesn't even matter who's president, as long as you got your political game on point. Like, like you look at Harry Edwards, it doesn't make a difference who is the the commissioner here and there, as long as he get his paycheck and he gets his agenda met and served. We the voting thing is meant to tire you out because it's not about what people think it's about. Voting is not the most important thing in politics. Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, Harrier was boy. I, I tell you. <laughs> I mean, I mean he like I you know, he from East St. Louis too, so he got that, you know, he got that mindset. He like Miles Davis. This can't Miles ain't the greatest trumpet player, but he got the most out of his musical abilities, man. He well, got you, more than a lot of these cats got out of there. Were you, know? you shocked that President Biden said that about George Floyd? That his you death think? his death was more important than Martin Luther King? Not really, because look who was Joe Biden and he's a Klansman. Mm. I mean, basically, I mean, look who trained him. Eastland and Stennis and shit, Bird and you know, name them all. Thurman. I mean, he's he's their wet drink. He's a Dixie yeah, I, wet drink. I, I, I was shocked that they started building all those uh, George Floyd statues. I'm I not mean, impressed with George Floyd. I mean, I hate he lost his life, but you know, I like this man. Look, build some statues for Sonny Liston. He whooping police officers' ass. I didn't know. I mean, Sonny Liston, y'all, I like Ali, but we should have been loving Sonny Liston because he whooping police officers' asses. I didn't know he was beating that many police. I mean, he was in St. Louis whooping police officers' asses. Sending them to the hospital and shit. I didn't know that, man. I said, y'all lied to me by Sonny Liston. He wanted to be the people's champ, but I guess he was too dark and he was too much of a thug for the NACP. But, you know, I, my thing is, I, I don't look at people like him having tragic lives. I look at a person was born the 24 by the 25 children, never learned how to read and write, didn't know when he was born, didn't know when he was when he died, but yeah, he became the headweight champion in the world. That's a successful uh, life. Yeah. I mean, I look at DMX. DMX, the fact that he made it to 50, wow, that's, that's a miracle. Yeah. But yeah. he left some stuff behind. He left a lot of kids behind, a lot of music behind. So it was not a tragedy. Bill Holiday is not a tragedy. I mean, shit happened to you while you were alive. Shit happens. But at the end of the day, if you leave some stuff behind that people will, can benefit from, your life was not a tragedy. I don't care when you die. To me, Tupac life wasn't a tragedy. I know, I mean, I, I know did what he did. I know you, you a couple about. times you you had you had talked about um what did, what they did to Joe Lewis, and I think a lot of people don't know. Like, oh, it was horrible. I mean, I, I mean, they just thought he was a patriot, man. I mean, he gave money to he gave a million dollars to the government, and then they used the IRS to destroy him. Man, we're giving free boxing exhibition for Uncle Sam. This dude got Jackie Robinson to officer school on his recommendation. Joe Lewis was a patriot, and they destroyed this man. What did he do? Because <laughs> you know, it's usually it's usually the game. Probably right? dating, sleeping on white women. They told us about the white women. You know, you they'll, they'll, let you you they'll let you play the game. They let you play. They let you play the game. You make the deal. And then I mean, I don't think he did. I just think that. Like America, it's like okay with well, Jesse Owens. That lie they told about Hitler snubbing Hitler didn't snub Jesse Owens. Franklin Roosevelt snubbed Jesse Owens. Because Jesse Owens, said, it wasn't Hitler. It was Franklin Roosevelt. They invited me to the White House when we won. I won all the gold yeah. medals. That would hurt him. His own country that he represented did not invite him to the White House. And it's crazy because I'll never forget when um Dr. Cosby's son died. Right, and it's, yeah. I had, I had an older guy tell me. He said that was the warning, and I'm like, what you mean? He's like mm -hmm. they killed. He's like they killed his legacy. So you know, exactly. you're younger. You don't be understand. I'm like, what you mean? He's like they killed his son. They that killed his amazing. legacy. So it's I, like, you know, I, yeah. I used to always go see him when he come when he come and do a stand up. I, I used to go see him and mm. you know he, Doctor Cobb. I never got offended by stuff he said. A lot of people would get offended. I just thought but why did they was, get offended? Because it was true. Yeah. I mean, I and what, what I mean by true is it's like the baby. They got offended because what he said was true. I didn't say it necessarily was accurate. <laughs> I said it was true because it, it 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 hits you 
in a very vulnerable spot. So when that hits you, the truth has no friends. One the truth the, is one what it is. One of the things you said, and I, and I want you to want you to tell tell me and tell everybody, you said that Dr. Cosby did not get a return on his investment. Explain that. He did not because he invested in institutions that were supposed to be B1, black first. He invested in people, and people started to say he was selfish. And he gave $200 million to HBCUs. He gave money to black arts. Like He, he invested in, in Spike Lee's Malcolm X movie. He invested in Mel, Melvin Van Peebles' sweet, sweet back, badass song that would never got made. And that, you know, the soundtrack was done by Earth, Wind, and Fire. So, I mean, he did a lot of things. A black stuntman association helped get black makeup artists into the Hollywood game. Uh, did a lot of things that he didn't try to seek credit for, but I'm saying like he invested in his people, and his people would not even give him the benefit of the doubt. It got to hurt. Wow, any evidence? You know, here you got Larry Nassar, the Olymp Olympic medal doctor, got all this evidence of him doing this to these girls, not women, these were girls. And you got these institutions covering up for him for years, and even and, paying restitution. Yeah, and he claims and he just got a stimulus check. Right, and got a stimulus check and probably got all that money to pay for protection from getting his ass knocked up in jail. You know what I'm saying? That's why he got all that money to book the pay for protection from <laughs> You know, he'll be there forever. That's I'm saying, but Dr. Cosby is not giving the same benefit of the doubt. Look at and that. I thought book. about that. I thought about uh, yeah. Larry Nassar with the Simone Biles thing because I don't think a lot of people remember that she was his quote-unquote last victim. Right. So even, even with... Them talking about okay, she gonna she gonna bow out because of mental mental health issues, which is totally fine. Y'all should be still talking about this monster. Y'all should be still talking about this well, they, guy. Look, you know what they did? The media talked about it and they buried it again. Like it's like the Lost Nest monster came up for air. The Lost Nest monster came up for air. Didn't go work there on the Lost Nest. Now what? Did we see what we just saw? Nah, man, fuck on the other. Yeah, she's a quitter. <laughs> quick, 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 quick. I said, damn, she overachieved. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. She won 30 plus medals and set she got moves named after her. She was so bad and mean and great that they had to deduct points because she was too damn perfect. It's like Barry Bonds. It's like you motherfuckers cut three years off his career, and now nobody never ever gonna break that home run record. That's what God does. Nobody gonna never ever come close to breaking that shit. Because Barry Bonds, she had over 800 home runs, over 3,000 hits, and over 2,000 RBIs. And they took that from that man. They took three years of his whatever he, he had left. He, he was using something that they didn't know about, and it How wasn't they illegal. Know? You didn't know. <laughs> they, they using stuff right now. They don't know about. He said. He said it was called clear. They didn't know nothing about it, and it was illegal. And they, it well, you leaked that. out. It leaked out that he was one of the people that that tested. They 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 wicked man. Well, you know. Okay, here's the thing. You remember, like I remember when uh, Mark McGuire and Sammy Sosa were doing a home run thing back in '98. And I remember reading the St. Louis Post this past I was going to school in St. Louis. They said, well, you know, Mark McGuire, he's using Androstein, which is outlawed in NFL, but it's not outlawed in baseball. So how is he cheating when y'all have no rules saying he can't use Androstein? I think it's called Androstein, yeah. whatever. It is. Yeah. yeah, but he was using that. And they were talking about it openly. So why are you going to shame him years, several years after he retired on it? And y'all allowed them. Y'all knew that they were doing this. I mean, but Barry Bums was already a Hall of Famer. And my thing is, they walked him so many times, so how do you have an advantage? You know what I'm saying? Like, okay, even not to me, everything evens out. Yeah. One you time know, I don't understand. Baseball's a game built on cheating anyway. I tell you that yeah. that one that one year when he broke the record, man. I you know, I'm a, I used to be a big baseball fan. And man, you threw him one pitch to hit. 
through the whole game, and he it was gone. Barry Bonds, there ain't nobody like Barry Bonds in the history of baseball. I mean, I know Babe Ruth, and uh, he was great, Ty Cobb. And, but it's something about Barry Bonds. Ain't nobody like that, man. He won seven MVPs for a reason. It, shoot, he his had the skinny Barry his, Bonds his, and the big Barry Bonds. His eyesight alone. His eyesight alone. It's like hard he, to hit a baseball. Hell, it's yeah. one of the hardest things you could do in sports. And, and, and it's funny. <laughs> it, ain't like, it ain't like his eyes got better when he got older. He just... It just he picked his spots, man. He, you know, he had so much dominance over the batter box. I mean, he made the pitchers pitch the way he want them to pitch. Yeah, but it didn't pitch to him. I mean, this is like he most intentional walks, most walks of all time. I mean, you look at Albert Pujols and them guys. It just, ah, man, it's hard to look at. It's hard to look at Albert Pujols and Miguel Cabrera. It's just so hard. It's like Willie Mays going on <laughs> too long, and but they cut Barry Bonds. Even Willie Mays said he he had at least two more years left. Of That's his godfather. Yeah, yeah. With amazing, used to, great, you know what I'm saying? But I used to be a big baseball fan. They, they, I used to be too. Like, we, I mean, it's we so don't hard, play that so hard sport to watch no now. <laughs> they don't even got no style. It is yeah. like I strike out or I hit home run, and they and they don't market to the black man no more. They, it's all no, they, about, they stole it from you know what they were tired of us. Because look at who are the greatest baseball. We lost Hank Aaron this year, but the greatest baseball players, even you rank them like major league, a lot of them came out the Negro leagues. Little Hank Aaron, Ernie Banks, Willie Mays. A lot of them cats came out yeah. the Negro Leagues, man. Well, yeah, so how yeah. is the Negro Leagues inferior to Major League if a lot of your talent came? Roy Campanella, Don Nuke. I mean, like a lot of these guys, man. Yeah, I met, I met, I met Roy Campanella. He was staying when he this when he was an older man. And uh, yeah, it's tragic how it happened to him with the car crash. But I mean, he was a hell of a baseball player. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so how you um? What's up about the action? Oh man, I forgot my thought, Ron. That's all right. It happened to me all the time. It'll come back to you. So you were saying about the Ida B. Wells. So they, so they just had a they 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 unveiled the statue. I know in Chicago. Yeah, they had it on a uh, former site of the Ida B. Wells projects. And then they came to Memphis on Bill Street near the her newspaper office. She used to have a newspaper office in uh First Bill Baptist. That's a black church on Bill. And uh, they unveiled her monument here, and like it's more like the one in Chicago is more of an abstract tribute, and this one's actually you have a life size statue. Really, it's not life size because Abby Wells like five foot two, but you know, we don't six foot Abby Wells ain't bad. Yeah, I was having a conversation with a friend of mine today. We was talking, we was talking about the um, the 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 Nikki Giovanni and uh, James Baldwin interview that you know oh, yeah. interview that was floating around. I was and, and I was kicking it with, and I said, you know, that's funny. They always try to say that. We black people have a problem with homosexuality, and I said, "What's funny about this interview? That's a great interview on relationships." And you had her; mm-hmm. she was LGBTQ, and he was LGBTQ. But the conversation was excellent, and it they gave a lot, a lot of information. And like you know, there there are heroes, and I just always think that uh, we we. I was thinking about the kid, the baby, like what he's going through now, and it's like. You messed up, buddy. <laughs> I mean, he made those deals, though. They make those deals. That's why they do them. Man. Like he's part of their group. Yeah, and I like some of the baby stuff. I have no issue. Like I don't net it. So I don't. I don't expect them to fight my battles. You know, if if I'm criticizing them because they're not being more vocal about social justice, then what am I doing? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like why I'm watching them? Fuck this motherfucker, man. I'm going to pay per view. Hey man, you better say something about George Floyd, man. Goddamn, <laughs> shit. Eating these popcorn and shit, nachos and 
Hell, y'all better be marching out there. Shit, I'm watching y'all, man. I'm paying for this premium cable, nigga. I'd, I'd, I'd rather see, see, like they should do like what Harry Belafonte did. Just, just put your money down. If yeah. that's what you want to do, just, just put your money. You ain't got to say nothing. Just put your money towards the cause. I mean, oh, it's, just it's, like you know, do fundraise. Like yeah, put your money down. Fund- but Dick Gregor them knew that back in the day, though. You know, my thing about why LeBron James can't be Ali because back in no that back in no time, them athletes was not making the, the type of money they're making now. They had to work regular jobs a lot of time in the off season or go to night school or whatever they were doing. Yeah. They could relate to the average person in the streets or in society, the working class person. A lot of them still was kind of working class. So that day is gone. And who who gonna take care of LeBron if he if he fall on the sword for the people anyway? We ain't gonna. Take- I wouldn't do it. <laughs> I, he, he shouldn't fall on the sword. He push him back. Give me fifty feet. Then he give me fifty feet. He push somebody out the way. Job in, 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 in our eyes, we could we should consider him a winner already. Like he won in life. Like let him be. Like we shouldn't even be holding him. Well, they're gonna get him. They, get, they always get it because he's the first billionaire athlete. Well, to make a billion dollars as a I don't know. Like, why do I care about them getting a billion dollars when a lot of us ain't got can't get no damn stimulus check? I ain't worried about no Rihanna money. <laughs> what the hell Fenty gonna do for me? Well, brother Ron, appreciate you joining the show, man. Um, it's been fun, actually. I just, I needed this, man. I just, it's a lot of stuff. I'm, on. I, I'm gonna have you on again. But I, I, <laughs> I to get your, I, I, I get you on my show as well. I mean, we'll, awesome, we'll figure, we'll figure it out one, we'll, we'll figure it out soon. I know, uh, you know, I gotta have Doctor Short on again. Man, my, you know, my audience like Doctor Short for some reason. I know, well, I know why. I mean, Doctor Short is a fascinating man, but he's, you know, he, you know, Doctor, you know. I believe in freedom of speech, but damn, Doc, you know it's YouTube, right? Damn, yo, you want you want a platform to come back to, Dr. Short? Damn. I, I, be more discreet. Bro, brother hey. Ron, I, I hit him. Look, I, now I had, I've, I've known him for like a year. Uh-huh. So, I, so I hit him. I said, yo, I ain't, I ain't heard nothing from you. You ain't sent me no articles. And he like, yeah, they took my account. I'm like, oh, my goodness. Baby, and man. then when I seen him start yeah. another account, he would always be like, I'm going live. So I'd be watching. And you know, he start his stuff late at night or early in the morning. I'd be watching. And next thing I know, the account gone. I'm like. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that's sure it's the truth teller, though, man. I, mean, <laughs> I was telling people, I said, you, you know, like, the dude, what he doing, like, Malcolm X, you know he was broke when he died, right? You know, he didn't have a house to his name or anything. Yeah. Was it I mean, $20, the, $21 he had in his pocket? Probably hey, holes at the bottom of the shoes. But I'm saying, like, people don't understand this is a thankless job. This is not a job, you know, if you want, if you help kids, I would not tell your kids to go into, like, trying to tell the truth and trying to say, it's like, you look at, you talk about James Baldwin, right? James Baldwin, they allowed him to live, to be an older man, but his friends get killed before they 40. Masculine black men like Malcolm and Mega and Dr. King. But it's like, it's like that good times thing where you got the father James. If he say the stuff that Michael say, the cute little light skin boy, oh, he trying to burn down Detroit and Chicago and Newark <laughs> because Michael said, "Oh, look at this Negro. He's got a cute he? Look at him, not a threat. You know, yeah, it's like he's proud to the people. Oh, he's like a, like a Teddy Rock fan, a Teddy Rock nigga. Right. You know what I'm saying? But they don't want black masculine man around. They don't want black masculine masculinity around at all. And this is what we get. Wow. With that, everybody in the chat, thanks for joining the show. Appreciate you, brother Ron. Stay on for a second. Right. Wait till I close out. All right. And uh close the show.
Thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed today's show. Please continue to join us here for conversations on hot topics, interviews with special guests, and our future programs such as the Poetry Corner, where you can hear dope poets from around the country creating that poet cafe vibe, and Crown Rules, our virtual book club on love, intimacy, and healthy relationships. Let's talk. We are everywhere you want to be. Follow us on YouTube at Let's Talk, Facebook at Let's Talk, and on Instagram at Let's Talk 1931. Have a suggestion? Give us a call at 570-795-4283. Or for business inquiries, please email us at ltalk5600 at gmail. Let's talk. I order you, you order me, and we 